Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Severn Run. You guys are awake. I like that. Very good. And uh, let me just go ahead and let's, we're going to get started here quick. And 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 uh, who gets the ice cream in your house? Who does it? This is a, a a couple's question. It's a couple's question. I don't mean to depress all the singles who have to get their own ice cream. But uh, who gets the ice cream? Raise your hand if you get the ice cream. Raise your head if you get the ice cream. Now turn and look at your spouse and say, shame on you. No, I'm kidding. Here's what I want you to do. If you're one of the people that get the ice cream and you're willing to volunteer and help me out this morning, grab your significant other, your spouse, and bring them up here. Let's go. Come on, quickly. I need two, two couples that volunteer. Here we go. One. Come on up. I like that. They're brave. Come on. I need, I need some other help. One more couple. One more couple. You think this is going to happen. One more couple. Let's go. Don't be afraid. Let's go. Come on. You can do it. Make it happen. Thank you. Come on up. Come on up. Now, who is it? Who is it that uh, gets the ice cream normally? Oh, come on. Are you serious? You both equally serve each other? You realize everybody out here hates you right now. Okay, awesome. Well, you guys decide. Who's going to serve? You're going to serve? Okay, I'll look at it. <laughs> Disgusting. Okay, who, who normally gets the ice cream? You normally get the ice cream? Well, guess what? Not today. <laughs> Not today. You're going to get the ice cream, okay? So if I could have the two people that are going to get the ice cream step up to the plate. Here we go. If you're, if you're serving, just step over to the side. If you, or if you're being served, just step over to the side. If you're serving, step up. Uh, now, let me ask you, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Put your, put your uh, see, I'm a, I feel generous today. Put your left hand behind your back. Put your, right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Okay, put your left hand behind your back. And now, here's, here's what's going to happen. Just with one cone, when I say go, because competition's fun, isn't it? How many of you, you like competition? Yeah. When I say go, what you're going to do is you're going to take just one cone. There's two there, but you're going to take one cone, and you're going to scoop a scoop of ice cream. Actually, you know what? Who wants one scoop, right? Two scoops? Three scoops. So check it out. This is simple. One hand. You've got a scoop, you've got a cone, three scoops of ice cream, and then you're going to serve it to your spouse who's sitting there waiting and excited to eat this ice cream. Are we ready? You guys, you guys ready? Little countdown here. Five, four, three, two, one. Go. Oh. Oh, it's like, oh, we got two cones involved over here. Oh, well, that sounds like a problem. 
Wow. Wow. Mr. Wonderful over here. <laughs> and she's standing there in this very awkward moment like, I really want to eat the ice cream, but I don't know if I should because everybody's watching. Eat the ice cream, enjoy. Okay. Here, here, did anybody feel, did you feel any stress involved in that at all? A little bit of stress, just a little bit, because did you feel any stress whatsoever? Huh? Especially as the one that doesn't normally get the ice cream, right? Like when you're having to learn how to do something new for the first time. L lots of stress involved in that, huh? Okay, so um, here's the thing. I don't want you guys to be stressed out. Like life is too stressed, isn't it? This shouldn't be a stressed out experience. I think we can solve that. I think we can solve that. Actually, would, would, would you do me a favor? Would you come, come right over here? You guys have got experience now. And uh, you, do me, would you, could you just step over to this side? Just, uh, why does everybody look so scared? <laughs> okay, here, here's, here's what you're going to do now. I just want you to uh, uh, put, put your right hand behind your back again, okay? Uh, and uh, you know what? You guys are used to serving. Huh? So how about this time, you guys do, do some serving. Where, where's the other cone? <laughs> they no longer exist in my universe. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. Hands behind your back, okay? You ready? Now, go for it. Three scoops. Together. <laughs> it's harder, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, when illustrations go wrong, This is really happening, by the way. <laughs> Would you give it up for him? Just give it up for him. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You all can have a seat. Well, huh. here's a, the lesson. Maybe you can get the lesson out of this. Competition creates stress. Cooperation brings peace. Unless you're those two people right there. <laughs> Isn't it true, though? Like, really, when you think about how stressed out our world is, some of us, we, we, we came in here stressed. Some of us, we got really, really stressed uh, just on the way here. I was down in the Annapolis area yesterday, and, 
And I, I, was, I was driving. I was being nice. I was calm and cool and collected. And I was coming up, uh, I, I was coming up in, into the, you know, kind of the, the lane that you get into when you're just going to kind of merge into the main flow of traffic. Except for the guy who was already in the main flow of traffic who whatever was going to happen, I, I was ahead of him already, but he wasn't going to let me into the main flow. Like, wasn't going to let. Because obviously this guy had somewhere he had to be. He was not going to let me into the main flow. The only problem was there was nowhere else for me to go. So I'm either going into him or the main flow, one of the two, but we're going to see what happens. So I just, I just kindly, seriously, kindly, patiently, just slowly was able, and finally he had to like slam on his brakes and, and let me go in front. And then when we got on into the main flow, literally, literally, he slowed down, and there was at least four or five car gaps between myself and him with him behind me. What? I thought you had to get somewhere quick. I thought you had to be somewhere fast. But it is just absolutely amazing how, how stressed out our world can be, huh? I mean, I was trying to give him a bit of the fit of the doubt, thinking maybe he just needs to take his wife to the hospital because she's having a baby. But uh, it turns out he had all the time in the world. No big deal. He just wasn't going to let me through. And that just creates stress. And so we can get stressed out everywhere we go, can't we? I mean... We can wake up and we can be stressed out with our families before the days even get started. We can get stressed out at work. We can just be stressed, stressed, stressed. And you know what? Stress is the result of competition. It's because we're constantly trying to one-up somebody else. It's because we're constantly trying to reach for and grab more and get more and have more and be more and accomplish more. We're constantly reaching. And as a result, we just get stressed out. Look at our world. Watch the news. I don't, know, I don't know when the last time I saw our nation as stressed out as we are right now. In every single area, we find ourselves completely stressed out. Why? Because in some way, shape, or form, it involves us competing against one another. But cooperation, cooperation can bring peace. Cooperation takes two that's the co-op part of it. It takes at least two people uh, being involved, trying to do the same thing, trying to accomplish the same mission. It takes two, but the first step toward cooperation is service. And I don't know if you've caught, in, caught on yet or not, but over the course of this message series that our pastor has been bringing to you, he has been bringing to you the greatest stress relief tool that you could ever imagine. Because he has been saying, saved people serve people. How many of you, you really would love all the stress to go away? Hmm? Saved people. Saved people. Through the simple act of service, we can begin to reduce the stress that is in our lives. But all too often, we live in a very different way, a way that is illustrated in 
the second story that's told in Scripture in Genesis chapter 4. And I'm just going to kind of like skip ahead. You can go back and read Genesis 4 if you want. But I want to skip ahead to the last verse that's in the story. Verse 16. And it says, so Cain, Cain, the child of Adam and Eve, Cain, the brother of Abel. So Cain, at the very end of this story, when the whole story's done, so Cain left the Lord's presence. Does that sound like a peaceful environment? To leave God's presence? So Cain left the Lord's presence and he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. East of the beautiful garden that God had prepared for man to just live a stress-free, enjoyable life. In fact, when God got this entire thing started, he, was, he didn't build it for a whole lot of competition, and he didn't build it for a whole lot of stress. He put Adam and Eve inside of a beautiful garden. He looked at them and said, hey, you don't even really need to work for your food. You've got plants, and you've got vegetables and fruits, and you can enjoy all of that. And all I'm, I, the only work I'm going to ask you to do is name some animals. And then... I, what I, the whole purpose of you being here is to walk and to relax and to enjoy me <coughs> and to enjoy, <coughs> excuse me, one another. A completely stress-free envir- environment. For us, we would call that the eternal vacation. That's how they were chosen to live from the get-go. But you know what? They wanted more. They started grasping for more. And so they went after the one thing that God said, don't touch. And they grabbed it, and they took it, and as a result, stress entered into this entire picture. They come along, and they have their first two children, Cain and Abel. And can I just go ahead and tell you, moms and dads, if you're living stressed out, get ready, because the stress that is in your life is going to be amplified in the life of your children. It's going to be way more complex inside of them than it even is inside of you. How you decide to handle your stress is going to determine a whole lot about who your children become. And in this particular case, Cain and Abel, they were born and they grew up. And one, Cain, he grows up to be a farmer. He grows up to, to, you know, cultivate these fruits and these vegetables because now it's hard work outside of Eden. Never was it intended to be so, but it is now. And so he's a farmer. And then on top of that, uh, Abel comes uh, along and he becomes a, a shepherd of sorts and he's raising livestock. And the day comes when both of them decided, hey, listen, it's time to uh, give something to God because God was saying, hey, you know, how, how about this? Do you appreciate me in this relationship? And so when the time came in verse uh, 3, it says, and when the time was for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Does this sound pretty exciting to you? He just presented some of his crops. He just said, here, you know, walked into the barn and, and, and started looking around at the produce and said, ah, I think God maybe wants some tomatoes. And these carrots over here, they look pretty good. And, and, and just kind of put them together and we came up to God and said, hey, God, here's my gift. Thanks. Ha- have a great day. And he just, uh, he, he kind of did what he had to do. Just kind of tipped God a little bit with what it was that he would be given. 
But can I tell you something? A life of serving, a life that is free of stress, it goes way beyond what we have to do. A lot of the stress that we are experiencing in our lives right now, we are experiencing it because we are only doing what we have to do. We're getting up and we're checking the to-do list and, and trying to make that happen. I think in general, there's, I think in general, if you think about how your day goes, do you ever think about the end of a day and just look back on it and say, what was accomplished? What, what was this about? If you don't, I highly encourage you to do so. I, I encourage you to have some meditative thought while you're laying there on your pillow at night to say, hey, did, was, was this day, did, did I get the most out of it? Because I think that there's a, a, a way that most of us live days. Number one, we can start out the day, we can decide that we want to destroy stuff. And some people, they live like that, right? I mean, we see them on the nightly news. The people who get up on a particular day and they live in such a selfish way that they decide that they are going to destroy stuff. Maybe destroy uh, the life and the welfare and the property and the bodies of other people. Maybe destroying their own bodies through addiction. Whatever it may be, but they're actively living every single day destroying things. But then there's people that they're not exactly destroying them, but they are causing damage. That when it's all said and done, they're, they're, the, the lives of their spouse and the lives of their children are not better because they're in them, per se. Because they're causing damage. And then there's where I believe the large majority of people live, and I especially believe the large majority of people in church live. And this is where you live just to manage. You pay your bills on time. You know, you, you feed the family. You do what your boss tells you to do. And every day is spent in quiet desperation and in management. And oftentimes when we're laying, though, when those folks are laying their head on the pillow at night, you're thinking to yourself, is this all there is? Is this all that God created me to be? And then there's other folks that, hey, listen, they go beyond management, and in a day they might improve. They might improve upon uh, life. They might be able to help people improve themselves uh, just a little bit. They might be encouraging to their spouse and, and to their children and to the people that they work with. And as a result of them being there, then life is a little bit better. For those that are around them, the planet's a little bit better as a result of the fact that they're, that they're on it. And then there's finally the people that, these are the extraordinary ones. These are the people that leave a day every day and they've created something. They've added something into the world. And can I tell you, you might look and say, that's not me, I'm not creative. Well, the Bible tells me that you are made in the image of God, the creator of the universe. And if he is the creator of the universe, then he has created you to create, to leave something behind, not just to improve, but to do things that have never been done before, to add to the world what the world has never had the opportunity to see before. Those are the people, though, that we look at that we, we are amazed at, aren't we? The artists and the writers and, and the world leaders and the influencers that have made a difference and left an impact. But that's a, that's a calling for all of us, not just a calling for a select few. 
But all too often, guess what? We can leave a day just having managed or just maybe having improved, but never truly having created. But if we're going to live a life of service, then the life of service will take us toward creation. It will take us toward leaving that mark. It will take us beyond managing. It will take us beyond what we have to do. But Cain only decided to deliver what it was that he had to do. However, his brother Abel, he brought a gift. And the way that he handled this gift is he went out and he was looking at his livestock. And as he was looking at his livestock, he was like, hey, listen, that is the (coughs) very best lamb that I've got. That, that, that is the cream of the crop. That's the beautiful one. And so that's the one that he brought to God. That's the one that he said, hey, listen, I want you to have. Because he recognized that service is not doing what you have to do, but service involves sacrifice. Service means that you're going to have to give up something. You're going to have to do something that you have never done before. And that is what this series is all about. This series is about challenging the church's Severn Run to step up to the plate and to do what we have never done before. It was just a, a, a few months ago that um, I, I went to the staff during a staff meeting and I looked at them and I said, hey, listen, I am just curious. We've got to figure out how many people are serving at the church of Severn Run. And so in this meeting, with all of the staff there, I began to say, I want you to start to think of like every name. I want you to count every position. I I mean, look in all of the nooks and crannies of your mind and think about who's serving and where they're serving and how they're serving. And let's come up with some names. Let's come up with some numbers. I want to know how many people are serving. And so right there in that staff meeting, that's exactly what we began to do. And we began to tally it. And I got to tell you what, I mean, out of a church of average attendance of 1,150 people, uh, you would have thought, like, you, you would have think this is probably going to take a while. Huh? That, right? Like, yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it. We got a lot of great stuff going on here at the Church of Seven Run, don't we? I mean, we've got ministries. I mean, you can't, you couldn't stay busier if you had to if you decided to get involved here. We've, we've got an opportunity for everybody and everything imaginable. And so as we started this, I was kind of beginning really encouraged, thinking to myself, we're going to find out, like, this is going to be awesome. And out of 1,150 people in average attendance on a weekend, 175 we were able to count involved in service at the Church of Seven Run. Now, I'll be honest with you, I hope you don't think that that number is good. (laughs) It's not fantastic. And we begin to look real quickly and say, hey, listen, we've we've got to do something different. We've got to do something different because that is not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is the heart that's willing to give up for sacrifice. The heart of Jesus is is the heart that recognizes that we've got to go beyond just managing and consuming and just sitting there and listening on a Sunday. We've got to become actively engaged. We've got to become actively involved. And if you think of all the amazing things that are taking place at the Church of Seven Run, they're only taking place because of 175 people. 
We've got ministries that are, that are scattered all through southern Baltimore that we're partnering with. We've got ministries in the DR in Costa Rica that our pastor and team are returning from on a plane probably right now. We've got ministries in Ethiopia. We've got ministries right here in our community that we are actively engaged in. Your kids are over there enjoying time in service. Your students are here on Friday night uh, finding a, a safe place to be, a place that's going to help them to grow up to be the people that you dream of. All of that is happening at the Church of Severn Run, and it's happening because of 175 people. Can you imagine what 1,150 people could do? Huh? If we can do all of this with 175, imagine what we could do with 1,150. Serving involves our sacrifice. And as the story kind of continues, God looks down at Cain and he says, Why are you so angry? Because God had accepted the offering of Abel, who stepped up to the plate and gave sacrificially, but he wasn't so happy with just the produce that Cain had showed up with. And he looked at him and he said, why are you so angry, the Lord asked. Why do you look uh, so rejected? And he said, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, sin is crouching at the door eager to control you, but you must subdue it and its master. All God had to do is look at Cain. That's all he had to do is look at Cain, and he could tell what his emotional state was. You know something? Whether or not you serve reveals where your heart truly, truly is. Whether or not you're actively engaged in making a difference in other people's life, it says everything about you. If your entire life is all about uh, your work and, 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 and getting a paycheck, if your entire life is all consuming with your own ho- hobbies and your own interests, that says something about what is the most important thing in your life. And if you're wondering, hey, listen, how in the world are all my rela- other relationships going bad? Well, guess what? Selfishness leads to rotten relationships. It leads to stress. It leads to brokenness. So, our hearts are able to be seen by the way that we serve. Saved people, we've got that. We've heard it, right? Our pastor actually, I think in his first service, in the first message of this series, he shared where he got this phrase. He had had the opportunity to go down to uh, New Spring Church in South Carolina, and he was there for a conference with the pastor at the time by the name of Perry Noble. Uh, New Spring is one of the largest churches in America. There are well over 20,000 people per Sunday. They've been making a huge impact, as you can imagine, for the kingdom. And so Dr. Drew was down there, and and he was down there for this conference. And as he would walk around the church facilities, he would run into various people. And and in true Dr. Drew style, because he does this here all the time, when he would see somebody doing something at the church facility, he'd walk over and say, hey, thank you for serving. Really appreciate it. And with every time he would walk over and say that to somebody, they would say, save people. And he said, you know what, that's the spirit. 
That's the spirit. That's the spirit that I want to see at the Church of Severn Run. That's the spirit that the pastor, Pastor Perry Noble, had led his people to have. And what a difference it was making. But it was Pastor Perry Noble's own story that would be the story that would begin to lead toward my own recovery. Because it was over a summer ago that I'd received a text from my best friend, Tolly Wilgus, who was here just a couple weeks ago introducing Dr. Cat. He had sent me a text message, and it was the story, the front page story that morning of the one Pastor Perry Noble who was being asked to step down from New Spring Church as a result of his alcoholism. As I began to read that story, I thought to myself, that's me. That is where I'm headed. That is what's next for me. His executive team had come to him several different occasions, tried to help him get help. He was unwilling to do that at the time. So as a result, they ultimately had to ask him to step down, and I'm reading that story, and I'm thinking, I don't want that to be me. And it was his story that began the process in my own life toward recovery. The craziest part is fast forward almost uh, a little bit over a year from that moment that I received that text message. And it was a Wednesday and or a Thursday before I would get up here and you all would know my own story. And we were, my wife and I, we were in the car and we were driving down the road. And as we were driving down the road, all of a sudden the, 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 the phone in the car, it rang. And um, I, don't, I, didn't, I don't normally answer phone numbers I don't know. Um, and, but I had been talking to so many different rehab centers, I thought maybe this is one of them calling me back, so I answered the phone, and as soon as I answered the phone, it said, is this John Smith? I said, yeah. Didn't recognize the voice at all, and I said, John, this is Perry Noble. I said, do what? <laughs> like, what in the world is going on? He said, John, I heard about your story. I said, whoa, okay. And he said, I just wanted to call you, see how you're doing. And he said, you know everything that I, I've been through. And I said, yeah, I, I do. And he said, well, I just want you to know that, um, <clears throat> you know, I went to rehab and, and uh, God's doing some amazing things in my own life. And he goes, I read your story and I just had to call you and encourage you and let you know it's going to be okay. He said, now they're, they're telling your church this Sunday. I said, yeah, they are. And he said, well, that's going to stink for you. He said, but I want you to know that everything's going to be okay. And then we talked for about 20 more minutes after that. I didn't know, I didn't know Perry Noble from Adam. You know, all I know is he was this big face of a big pastor of a big church. And yet, even after everything that he'd been through, he took the time to call me. Saved people. And you know what I'm absolutely, totally, 100% convinced of? Is that he, that's the heart that he had given his church. And even when he went through all of his own stuff, he kept, that, he kept that same heart. That heart will lead you to recovery. That heart will lead you to be able to get over whatever has got you stressed out right now, whatever's tough, whatever's difficult. That heart, the heart of saved people serve people, that is what will take you where God wants to take you. That is what will lead you to a creative life versus a destructive life. This is what Cain was missing all along the way. 
and ultimately look where he ends up. Cain ends up uh, after having killed his brother. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. Dude, you killed your brother. And Cain's still worried about himself. You've banished me from the land and from your presence and have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. And I got news for you. I'm just serious, folks. Um, you know, Cain, be so happy I am not God. I, you know, like at that moment, I'd have been like, I am so done with this. <laughs> but God doesn't apply the death penalty here, does he? He says, no, I've, I've given you a sevenfold punishment. It's going to be rough, but oh well. I've put a mark on you to make sure nobody will kill you. They'll know that they got to deal with me if they kill you. And meanwhile, Cain left the presence of the Lord. You know what I think is interesting is the Bible doesn't even say that Cain had to leave the presence of the Lord. Does it? It doesn't say he was banished from the presence of the Lord. Cain chose in his selfishness to leave the presence of the Lord. He didn't want to belong anymore. He wanted to be isolated and he wanted to be alone. And ladies and gentlemen, can I just go ahead and tell you that when it's all said and done, the feelings of isolation and alone that we oftentimes have, they are the result of the fact that we're not serving people. I hear people all the time, in every church I've ever been to, it absolutely amazes me. I hear people all the time, whether, whether um, it's the friendliest or the unfriendliest church, I hear people all the time that will come to church and they will complain that I don't have any friends. And, and, and I, can't, I can't get involved and nobody loves me. And it doesn't, nobody will, will allow me to be in their circle and all of those types of things. And can I just be honest with you? Most of the time, that person is not serving. And if they are, they're doing it in a very, very half-hearted way. And then they wonder, why am I outside? Because you know something? If you want to be in the circle of God's influence, then he includes the folks that serve. That's where belonging is found. That's where the isolation goes away. I've oftentimes joked uh, uh, around here at the Church of Severn Run that, um, listen, I, if somebody goes on a mission trip, I look at them, especially if they're on the mission trip with me, I look straight at them and say, hey, number one, do you know what you just got yourself into? Okay? Do you have any idea what you just got yourself into? And, and I will often tell them, look, at the end of this mission trip, you will either be a Severn Runner for life or you will be out of here. And we will never, ever see you again. Never, because let me tell you, a whole lot of people, crazy people, go on mission trips. Mostly our staff. And uh, we have people, I, every time we're like, we did not know that, that you were like that. We thought you were just like, like that when you preached and stuff. That insanity is all the time, yeah. 
It's a true story. I'm not. And half our staff is not. I take that back. I lied. Our entire staff is not. And you're going to have to put up with it. And you know what? There's going to be stressful moments along, uh, along the mission trip life, and there's going to be tough stuff. But I will tell you, after all the mission trips that I've been on with this church, there's not one person I've given that warning that went on a mission trip with us that came back anything less than more sold out than when they went. If they were serving a little bit before, they were all in when they got back. And i got to tell you what the difference is. They started serving. They saw what serving could do. It de-escalated all of that stress in their life, and it started to up uh, the peace level. It creates a sense of belonging. If you want to belong, then get side by side with somebody and get your hands dirty. Then you'll feel like you're really a part of something. And ultimately, like or not like Cain, our attitude towards serving will either create and destroy our peace. You will either create peace in your life or you will destroy peace in your life based off whether or not you decide to serve. In Cain's particular instance, Cain left the presence of the Lord. He destroyed all of the peace that was in his life. The Bible says that all good things come from God. So if you leave the presence of the Lord, you have left the source of all good things. Ladies and gentlemen, Cain entered the realm of hell. Hell on earth and hell for eternity. Because he wanted to have it his own way. Because he didn't want to actively be involved in, uh, involved in serving. But it does not have to be like that. There is a different way. There is a way to heal all of the problems that we're currently watching on the news. Do you hear me? There is a way to do it. It's called serve. Serve the person that doesn't look like you. There is a way to heal the problems of your marriage. Serve your spouse who you have so much resentment for right now. There is a way to solve the problems that you have with your children. Serve them. There is a way to deal with that terrible, awful boss, Gwen. Serve! <laughs> I will just say this for the record. If you, will look up, if you will look up the word service, you will find Gwen's picture right next to it in the dictionary. There is a way to end all of it, folks. Just begin to serve. There's a story told by psychologist Jack uh, Cornfield, who's involved in uh, the rehab, the recovery community, addiction recovery community. And it, it's a story of this one particular young man who was in a juvenile facility, and the way that he got there is that at 14 years old, he had decided to impress some other gang members and kill another boy. And as he was on trial, the jury came back and the verdict was in that, in fact, uh, he was found guilty. 14 years old, guilty of murder. Sent to a juvenile 
detention center, but on the day that he was found guilty, the mother of the child that had been killed stood up in the courtroom, looked straight at this young man, and said, I am going to kill you. And he was carted off to jail. About six months goes by. The young man hears that he has a visitor. He hasn't had any visitors because he was on the streets before he ever even committed his crime. He discovers that the visitor is in fact the mother of the boy that he had slain. She came and she began to meet with him, asked him how he was doing, started to find out just a little bit about his life, found out that he, of course he didn't have any money before he got there and so she gave him some money so he could buy a little bit of, of food and some cigarettes. She left. She came back in a couple months. And she began to have regular visits, getting to know this boy and getting to know his story. After around three years was up, he was going to be released. And right before his release, she was there to visit him and she looked at him and she said, hey, listen, what are you going to do? He said, I have no clue. She said, well, listen, I've got a friend who owns a business and he's willing to give you a job. Are you willing to take the job? And at that point, the young man said, sure, yeah, I'm willing to take the job. i got to do something. I don't want to go back to living that way. She said, well, where are you going to live? He said, I, I don't know. I don't have anywhere to live. She said, you know what? I have a room in my house that's available. Would you come? Would you be willing to live with me? He said, yeah, I'll be willing to live with you. So sure enough, that's exactly what he did. He went. He moved into her house. He then began to work the job of a friend and he began to slowly but surely rebuild his life over the course of the next few months until one night they were sitting down at the dinner table. And as they were sitting down at the dinner table, this mom, she looked at this young man that had killed her son across from the dinner table and she said to him, she said, do you remember what I said to you on the day you were convicted for killing my son? And he said, yes, ma'am. He said, um, you said you were going to kill me. How could I forget that? And then I'm sure he was thinking at that moment about what he had just eaten, but uh, <laughs> he said, how could I forget that? And she said, good, I'm glad you remember. She goes, because I did it. She said, I killed you. And she said, you're not the same person that you used to be. And she said, now, since my son was killed and, and I killed you, she said, I need a son. Would you be willing to be adopted by me and become my son? And ladies and gentlemen, that's what transpired. The act of service can change it all. Everything can be made different. If 175 can accomplish what this church is doing right now, can you imagine what 1,150 will do? Yeah, it'll take you eight or ten hours of your time that you're not already currently giving over the course of the next three months. Surely you could find that. Eight to ten hours in order to be able to complete the Be the Difference Challenge. That's it. That's all we're asking. 
But those hours combined with all of us, the difference that it will make will be absolutely extraordinary. And the difference that it will make in your life will be extraordinary because much of what you feel and what you discover right now, the stress that brought you here this morning, that brought you here that you thought, hey, listen, I need that place today, that stress can be dissipated not just because you attend, but because you serve. And you can begin to make the difference. So here's the response today. It's, it's, it's nice and simple. It's easy. The response today is this, is that you've got uh, either a phone in your pocket or you've got a card that you will find inside of your worship guide. And listen, we would prefer that you use the phone in your pocket, okay? Because if not, Miss Gwen's going to have to, like, read all these cards. But here's what we want you to do. We want you to decide today, I'm going to sign up for the Be the Difference Challenge. You've heard what it's all about. Go to severnrunner.info, click on Be the Difference, and sign up and say, you know, over the course of the next three months, I'm going to give eight or ten hours. I'm going to do, uh, I am going to do these six things that are being asked of me, and I am going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference in the life of others, which will in turn make a difference in my own life. I'm going to be a part of that. In fact, here's what I want you to do right now in this very highly spiritual moment. Fill out the card or go to severnrunner.info.com. I mean, dot .info, severnrunner.info. Begin to fill it out. How many of you right now, you look and say, I'm going to take the challenge. We're going to do it. Listen, my entire family's taking the challenge. My six-year-old girl's going to be involved. She's going to complete all six of these things. So don't tell me it can't be done. We've already figured out how it can. But you need to get involved. You need to be the difference. So I'm going to ask you if you would please stand. The other thing that is going to happen is as soon as you fill this out or you've logged in and you have uh, filled it out at severnrunner.info, we're going to ask you during this song to come down here. We're going to have our care team down here. We're going to ask you during this song to come down here and pick up your Be the Difference card. How many of you, you love it when you go to Starbucks and you're able to get to like number five? Huh? You're able to turn it in. And get that, like, free little tiny small coffee. Huh? You love that because you're type A. And type A people rock, right? Yeah. So here's what you're going to do. As soon as you've signed up, we want you to come down here, pick up your card, okay? Pick up your card. Got it? You can begin doing it right now. Don't be scared. Come pick up your card. Say, I'm going to be a part of the Be the Difference Challenge. When you get this... Every time you fill out a challenge, you're going to take it back to the Be the Difference area, and you're going to get a sticker. Can I get a ah for a sticker? Okay. No, we're going to get excited about a sticker, right? So grab your card. Today, I believe this, 900 people are going to sign up for this thing. Today. That means you. Heavenly Father, let us not sit by and wait. Help us to step up to the plate. God, our world is a mess. It is in turmoil. But Lord, you have given us a way forward. You've given us the answer to peace. May we bring peace through service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well. Live Jesus and believe big.